0: hey what's up guys and welcome to episode 6 of Torkum Talk today we're super excited to have Jesse Thomas on he is the owner of picky bars and just learning how this guy balances work life and family Um, you know when it comes to life it's a little more than most of us he's not only an Ironman participant which that's something else to just complete that thing he's a two-time champion So we got a pro athlete that starts successful picky bars and he's walking us through how he does that and how he's built to what it is today. Enjoy our conversation. All right, so I was curious, Jesse, how in the world do you balance being a professional athlete, not just any professional athlete you have won to Ironmans, um i have friends that compete in them to just finish them and it consumes their life you win them
1: yeah
0: (laughs) and not just that but you're also a family man (laughs) and the ceo of a successful uh food company that's called picky bars where you guys have like awesome oatmeal these this is basically a staple that i live off of out in the wilderness which is um the bars uh granola that you just launched so you have all these products that are coming out the company's growing And you're also a professional athlete that is successful at that. How I I blows my mind. How how do you balance it?
1: Thanks. Um, it, it, I think, uh, a lot of help is the short, is the short answer. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it looks like more from the outside than, than it is on the inside. You know, we've got, I've got great employees that do all the legwork to keep the business going and and even grow it and i really um i inject myself in there you know quarterly or monthly and and i mean i'm there you know i'm there every day but i'm i'm really like a kind of strategic guide for mm-hmm. those guys the more visionary than, yeah well yeah visionary yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> visionary i think implies more like you know what you're doing and so um, <laughs> but but, the, but yeah that but that's how it is but yeah. the
0: visionary you know you're a person who um or most visionaries, it's like, you know, you, you come up with these concepts of starting the company and seeing where the market's going and where we, what we should be doing and maybe we should launch this type of product. like uh, But there's ideas that you come up with that I'm sure your team will shoot down. Yeah, but they just keep on coming. And some of them, they're like, that's pretty good. We should run with it.
1: Well, I think, you know, the the interesting thing is this, you know, and it goes back to your first question, how do you do it all? This business started in spite of the fact that Lauren and I, my wife and and our other co-founder and Steph, our other co-founder, were all competing professionally. And it was just this side project that is just now, that is really like over the eight years that it has been in existence, it's grown to a legitimate Mm -hmm. company. But um because it was always this side project and because our source as owners uh, and the founders, our source of income was professional athletics. Mm-hmm. It was never the focus to begin with. And it is now. And uh, it is becoming for me. Okay. I don't think it ever has been for Lauren and Steph. Mm-hmm. They, they've always been a little bit less operational, at least after the first couple years. And um, but the nice thing that's that's happened because of that is the company, our employees and the company is, uh, they're used to me not being there every day. Mm -hmm. And they're used to me and Lauren and Steph not having an operational role. And what that allows me to do as an owner is be very strategic as opposed to operational. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to be both, I think in a company I would agree, yeah. and so uh, i can go in and be like i don't have anything for years i didn't really have anything i had to do on a daily basis for mm-hmm. the company and that allows me the ability to look at the company without the weight of oh, i got to get all this stuff done and be like hey this this i'm going to dig into this it doesn't really look like it's working that well mm-hmm. you know maybe we should change some things
0: working on the business instead of in the business exactly
1: yeah. and so um you know that's simultaneously helpful and incredibly annoying to to my employees because it asks a lot of them to, to change but that's part of how i think how you do it all as well is delegation yeah yeah delegation and then and do yeah doing is yeah i think i guess delegation is a good way to put it because you're you're doing you're trying to get to where you can be working on the business instead of in the business as much as possible
0: and but so now you've been going from um uh, being uh, working on it a lot, and now it seems like you're getting more and more part of it. So where do you find yourself uh, working in it from time to time?
1: Well, the big things right now are uh, things that I can't outsource that I just didn't work on before, mm-hmm. which which um, is financing, like, like basically what's our uh, financial strategy in terms of do we need money sure. to help Uh, Finance to to grow, yeah, Mm -hmm. to grow the business. Um, So I've been doing a lot more with that, and then um, that would
0: really fall into your lap anyway, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. So like we've had investors interested in investing in the company for years, Mm -hmm. and I haven't. I've always kind of said, you know, thank you, but no, but no, thank you. We, Mm -hmm. you know, this is kind of a side project. I don't have the time or capacity to have that extra pressure. Um, and now I'm evaluating that more seriously because it's because the goals of the company are now becoming my primary goals personally, as opposed to my athletic goals being my primary goals. And then the other thing that has been the biggest difference is, um, I am just meeting with my employees Mm -hmm. all the time. I spend, uh, you know, we have, we, we work four days in the office now. We have Wednesday work from home day. And uh, at least Monday and Tuesday are pretty much just meeting, 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 meeting with uh, the various groups. <laughs> so just trying to provide them more consistent direction, feedback, so they can make choices and, des- you know, decisions quicker and, and hopefully more efficiently.
0: When it comes to, um, like, when you're talking about the uh, financing and... There's the obvious pro to getting funded is mm-hmm. having more money and being able to grow the business, but um, there are there are some cons out there that Definitely. maybe some entrepreneurs are listening to this that um, aren't too aware of. But what uh, I, I could sense it in your voice, like there is the cons. What, what would you say those main cons are of taking taking well, the money to grow?
1: I mean, the the main one is just uh, you know giving up a. Uh lack of control Mm -hmm. or lack of, or even if it's not a fully a lack of control, it's lack of independence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, um, I'm evaluating, a, literally evaluating an, a investment deal right now. And, and the crucial question is how much independence am I willing to give up for the investment and you know, and, and it's not just that they're, Giving money, I mean, there, you know, you also have people become advisors, and and it, it, it can yeah. be very helpful outside of they, the actual money. But
0: they can also kind of turn into a bit of a unofficial boss. Yeah, especially yeah, if they end up owning more than fifty-one percent, then they're an official boss.
1: Absolutely, and depending on how the deal is set up, they could have. Even if they don't own fifty one percent, they could have board seats and they mm-hmm. can have other kind of rights that det- And they're looking that at dictate. you like,
0: Why are you going to New Zealand? Yeah. Look, I'm racing. Yeah, yeah but the company.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a big uh it would be a it's a significant shift and I'm not going into it lightly. You know, I've heard you I think they're are a lot of horror stories out there. Um, there are a lot of successful stories. There is, there and is, so, just like the yeah, it's out, a like, balance.
0: Think of this. The yeah. pro obviously is like you know being able to mass produce this stuff and have yeah. sales reps that are hired that you wouldn't be able to afford before. Because yeah. some sales people, like good ones, uh, could be the most expensive. Aspect. Absolutely. So being able to hire those people <clears> that are on the East Coast and like getting in Canada and maybe yeah. Australia, all this stuff ends up becoming within the realm and just watching it blow up. So. Obvious pro, but yeah. then you got to think of like, well, what uh, what are the cons with it? Because not everything is sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was curious on too is, so um, you have been sponsored by a bunch of companies professionally, yeah, um, uh, including Red Bull mm-hmm. and uh, Jaybird and a few others. Have you ever ran into any conflict with any of your past sponsors or current sponsors? because you're in the food space?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, actually, originally I was sponsored when my first year or two, uh, I was sponsored by this company called First Endurance that was a basically a, a fuel for exercise company. So it's pretty similar. Yeah. They, they didn't make an energy bar. Mm-hmm. So all we had at that time was an energy bar. And, um, but they made like kind of like gels and, and some hydration mixes and stuff like that. And uh, ultimately, I talked to their owner. He was a really nice guy, Robert Coons, and he said, "You know, hey, we're looking at making an energy bar. You know, I'd still be interested in sponsoring you." And, you know, and then ultimately, at that point, I decided, "Hey, it's probably best for me just to, you know, make yeah. a clean break." But at that time, I mean, Picky Bars, you know, we were, was we were doing, yeah, we were doing like fifty thousand a year in sales. It was kind of a, a small deal. At but, that
0: point, was it in? Uh, it started in a home kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Okay,
1: and um. And so you know, it was kind of. I had to decide that. I mean, you know, it, I look back on it now, and it was more. It was a more important decision now than it was at that point. And um, you know, for me to really make a break and be like, okay, I'm, I'm good, just going to stick with this. Uh, with Red Bull, there were some you know, concerns. They like, they really like to own the the term energy for their athletes. So even Do even have any food though. No, yeah. but just the, even having energy bar was a little bit of a. Uh, a little bit of no, a people point only live off of red bull <laughs> yeah no totally <laughs> but they uh but they they ultimately obviously were were great and they're 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 a great partner for for athletes they're 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 super supportive so
0: yeah they seem to be like the partner they've established themselves yeah they,
1: they really have you know and they they don't um ask me to say or do anything that that I don't, you know, believe in. I use the product very specifically as a mm-hmm. kind of a tool in my toolbox for super high intensity workouts and and uh, and at the end of my long hard races and uh, they they they've been they've been totally great. So.
0: So what was the niche that uh, the aha moment when you were thinking about picky bars like, "You know what? This isn't here. What was the thing that you were looking to fill?"
1: Yeah, it was actually it, like most if not all of the good ideas was Lauren's idea. <laughs> and um and so what she saw was or what ended up happening was I started training to race triathlon. I was 29 years old. I just finished business school. It was kind of this like second wind last crack at trying to be a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. And um I was racing and or tra- or training a whole bunch and eating four to six thousand calories a day and started having all these stomach that's issues so much food yeah it's a lot yeah i mean when you when you put a lot of hours in that's what happens yeah and are um, you living off
0: of shakes uh
1: no i mean a lot of like uh just power bars and oh, you know geez. no wonder you're like having stomach issues i mean all the
0: power bars those things are like plastic yeah all the normal sorry power you know, bar.
1: <laughs> no for sure but i think you know stuff like that and um lauren really thought that my that my stomach not only my stomach and I'd have better digestion but also just feel better and feel healthier and feel and have more energy if I ate more real food and less processed food It's really easy to eat a ton of processed food mm-hmm. when you're eating that much um, it's broken down it's highly packageable and um, and so Lauren wanted to create something that was balanced. Kind of like a power bar, like it, like for, um, but not made of plastic. But not made, yeah. But not made of lab created ingredients, mm-hmm. and um, and that was the genesis of the Picky Bars. We kind of saw that you know you've got these like sports performance uh, energy products, and then you've got these all natural products, and we kind of want to take the best of both of those for the endurance active person, and uh, and give them an option, and that that's what a Picky Bar is.
0: So, did you win your first Ironman before or after Picky Bar was created? Well after. So, obviously, Picky Bars made you win Ironmans.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. (laughs) That is the reason. Yes, the reason. Nothing else. I got significantly better once I started eating Picky Bars. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're
0: going from eating plastic power bars to actual food, um, that's not too far. That's not a crazy um, assumption it was no like, it, 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 it really do
1: does it. I, I mean there's a real you know there's a real food movement across you know lots of categories not just the endurance uh category but um you well, know i, lots of I categories know i became it. vegan a year and a half ago did even, you yeah yeah
0: i was just like uh, all about help but i was just yeah. nothing but a meat and cheese eating yeah person for 30 years yeah all of a sudden no no i'm done and i was like so there is a big movement going and yeah um it's awesome I, I, and i love your guys's food too Um, Do you have any core philosophies or principles that you adhere to with the business or with training?
1: Yeah, um, you know, our I guess our mission as a business is to fuel great experiences. So for us, that's, you know, it's a little bit of a play on words. We're literally fueling you with with uh, with nutritious products. But I think also a big part of of our brand uh, tenants and what we strive to do is to um, educate inspire support and entertain Mm -hmm. and um and that's you know exemplified by our uh our social media a ton of our marketing our content is all based around doing those things you know how, how do you start in a triathlon or how or um you know the one that we posted yesterday was this uh these two little dates going on a date <laughs> and so that's clearly in the entertainment mm-hmm. uh in the in the inter- entertainment realm and all of that as a lot of companies is a reflection of uh the founders and i think lauren and i have um i think become known in our respective sports as uh you know profession professionals that are pursuing the sport at a high level but down to earth relatable um uh educational for Mm -hmm. the aspirational um, competitor. And I think the brand is a reflection of that as well. High performance, but relatable down to earth. So.
0: Um, How did, you know, just going back to when you were talking about um, Lauren's idea of getting the company going um, and it was pretty much to fuel you, it sounds like. yeah. It was there like she's like, oh, yeah, I'm also going to start mass producing these or that come a little later.
1: I, it no, I mean, it was a very I, ironically, I just fished, finished business school and there was no semblance of a business plan mm-hmm. in, in any way, shape a or A lot form. of times that's how it is. Yeah. Like I didn't
0: have one when starting this yeah. business. I was just like there is a need for digital marketing. Right. That's not being filled. I'm going to go do that. And there wasn't this big, thick business plan. I think a lot of people who are looking to start companies and everything, they think they need to have a 30-page business Mm -hmm. plan. And it's just like, are you even going to read that when you're done with
1: it? Absolutely.
0: Um, And if that's what's holding you back, then stop right now. But then going back to you guys, okay, so uh, she was – Thinking this could be a company, or did that come a bit later? It
1: kind of came a little bit later. I mean, what ended up happening was she started making the bars. It, her and Steph, the other co-founder, they um, they were both coaching this just this Thursday night community run, mm-hmm. and they started bringing some of them to try. And people at the run, they get thirty to fifty people show up on the to this run or group workout. They were they were like, hey, we really like these. We'd we like to buy them. And, what were you packaging them in? Uh, just in little dime bags. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like drug dealers. <laughs> literally, literally these tiny Ziploc bags, uh, single serve Ziploc bags, and um, they uh, and to be honest, I wasn't really involved other so than did you have them.
0: did you have a kitchen's license at yeah. that point okay yes
1: lauren and steph had gotten that set up
0: are you just saying that because we're on. no
1: no they, they had <laughs> they, they they were they had started when we they started selling them they started to look into it and then when i got involved was with uh uh helping them start to scale the recipes basically with some spreadsheets and then helping them price it. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, I remember specifically overhearing a conversation of them trying to figuring out, you know, how much should we charge? And my ears kind of perking up being like, oh, I think that's probably... Uh, you guys aren't going to charge enough, <laughs> right. you know. And um, and then I got I started helping there, and then I built the website uh, to start and kind of set up all the payments, as, like set up the things that we could actually start selling them. Mm-hmm. The systems for me Were you it was first really selling interesting.
0: them online, or did you get into like a co- who was your first client
1: a uh, coffee shop? Or our any? first customer is this woman named Maggie Smith, who is a, who has been a supporter of ours for a long time. She found out about the website from somebody i can't remember or had heard through the grapevine that we were doing this thing we hadn't even published it but she found pickybars.com and ordered Mm -hmm. a a batch and i remember it showing up and where is she from paypal thing she's from the east coast really yeah so she was just a you know a fan of lauren and steph Mm -hmm. and um she ordered a she ordered a box or whatever and i remember being like whoa we got an order from this woman on the east coast (laughs) and it was awesome Mm -hmm. and um yeah so it all started online and uh At that
0: point, were you sending it to her in dime bags, little plastic? Yeah, literally. Yeah,
1: we had. um,
0: Did you have a nutrition label on? Yeah. Okay.
1: So the regulations are: you can have resealable packaging as long as you have to, uh, as long as there is an un, basically like a sticker or something that has to be torn before it's open the first time. Okay. So we had the dime bag, and then we we wrap the sticker over the top of the uh, got it of the of the the bag. And um, and so that, that was it.
0: This is really valuable because yeah. you have so many people that might have that idea, um, exp- whether it's food um, or anything else I'm getting started and just like, well, I need to have this massive website and I need to go and get all this like really good, look yeah, at this awesome yeah, yeah. packaging oh, you have take, and everything that, that's like years that. years and years later. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. you just got to do it. Yeah and see what happens whenever
1: whenever i meet with entrepreneurs who ask me you know what what should i do you know what are the next steps i just i always go what's your you know what's your quickest what's your what's your lowest cost quickest way to validate the next step Mm -hmm. you know the, the the whether that's the product or the uh the customer or whatever it is you know like uh don't don't get ahead of yourself and um For better and for worse, that's exactly what we did with Picky Bars. I mean, this this you know this packaging, Mm -hmm. this this packaging on Picky Bars, which is
0: like like the fifth iteration, maybe more.
1: I think it's a fifth or sixth iteration of the packaging, right? Right. And so it's, and we're in year eight, right? You know, and so this is it's get it's getting. You know, cool. hopefully getting better and better. Yeah, as you, you guys can see it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, remember same thing when with, you
0: guys had it as like
1: mountains. Yeah. Uh, like around here, around yeah. here being bend. Um, and then we had brown. We had a brown wrapper at one point that uh-huh. said it's freaking science dude on it. And then we had those stickers that I talked about. I actually created the first packaging, which was a a little <laughs> circle that graphic that I made in PowerPoint that said three stars picky bars, which is totally terrible and embarrassing now (laughs) to look back on because we had, because there were three of us that Uh started the company. and and now but now three stars is you know synonymous with all five star rating systems is not that good Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's it's funny when i look back at those pictures
0: and picky comes from
1: uh just being super picky about the ingredients and um and the nutritional profile we the other inside story is we actually originally the original plan from lauren and steph was to create custom energy bars so uh using you know a a base of dried fruit or whatever but then you know what type of nut butters do you want what type of nuts or allergens are you avoiding and um and that was what we originally started looking at and then we, and we were actually making bars to custom order for some of those people that I mentioned in the mm-hmm. running group and then I just started modeling you know very basically how that could or could not scale, and based and more or less figured out that that was going to be a really tough business to scale. So we decided on, hey, let's. These are the three most normal combos that people really dig, mm-hmm. and those were the three flavors that we kind of launched with. And then we built it out since there.
0: Uh, okay, that that makes me want to touch on decision making. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs starting out, uh, whenever anybody asks talks with me, they they have all these questions. That they don't know the answers to, um, and you guys basically have all these brand just from looking at the brand that's going on here in the packaging. You have tons of decisions to be made just on these three, just on what's going on here. Right. When you're talking about, um, okay, should we have a yeah, mountain bike guy? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the the girl, the the five iterations. What does it say? The three stars. All sort of stuff. How do you go about making decisions on all of this stuff? And this is just—we're just talking about the packaging. Yeah. There's so much more to be said, but just to make it simpler, how do you go about making decisions?
1: I always start uh, my my decision process is always, uh, what data do we can we look at to mm-hmm. help us make the decision? In the face of lack of data, which is very normal, it is. You um, usually say, "Well, how expensive is it to test?" A couple different things or can we get a some type of basic test
0: well with social media now it's become very simple to yeah, do that. yeah exactly and inexpensive
1: yeah exactly so um you know so for for packaging it would be like hey well we you know we don't know if we wanted to say uh energy on this little subtitle thing or if we wanted to say real food or whatever and then and so we we would mock up a couple of those things and send them to a group of people and see what they think and then um, and that might help inform the decision. And then the last the last thing is always gut. And there's a, just a ton of gut on there. and um, Because you, it's really hard to get good information that actually gives you an answer mm-hmm. to really be able to test in a way that can give you a definitive answer. So I would say at least 50 to 60% of the decisions are just gut feel. And then, and then you learn after you, an iteration. How long does it take you on average to make one? To make a decision pretty much yeah i mean it it totally depends on I, the decision yeah, you know? i know right yeah that's a that's it, a
0: broad question but do you find yourself in general making them fast
1: i think i've gotten better than i was my I, i'm in uh you know i, I was an engineer mm-hmm. in college and i'm a very like analytical person mm-hmm. and um so my uh, strength and weakness as a business owner when I started was that I, w- I really I was really good at modeling things, but I really wanted to rely on a model mm-hmm. that would tell me what the right answer was. And in business, that's so it's so hard to do. There's so many variables. And so I used to get more, I used to be paralyzed by that a lot. And I see that me to so many yeah. entrepreneurs
0: all the time yeah. or, or managers. Yeah. Or even just anybody. Yeah. Where uh, any of my team members, anything like that. They're like, wow, well, I'm just not sure what to do. I was like, and the way I look at it, not saying I'm right, but this is just the way that I'm mm-hmm. wired now is just make a decision. Let's go with it and we can always come back and fix yeah. it later. Like with you guys, you made a decision on packaging, but we're on iteration six. Yeah. You can always change. You can always exactly. pivot later.
1: Yeah. And we're on iteration three of this iteration of packaging. You know <laughs> right? what I mean? So there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. You know, and I think it, the more decisions you make, um, the more comfortable you become with making them in the face of lack of information and um, and going with your gut. And I feel like I have gotten better at that over the years.
0: I've seen just from all the products that you guys are launching and how you guys grown and everything like that, that... Um that comes. I mean, if you don't make decisions, then nothing gets done, right? So there's, there's a be- real,
1: there's a real cost to the lack of decision making, or the time involved in making a decision. It's a legitimate cost. So I think I, I try. If I think of it that way, then it fits into the uh, algorithm, mm-hmm. and then I and then I am cognizant of it, and then I'm like, okay, I got to make the decision, otherwise I'm caught. Co- I'm ultimately costing myself more than there is to be gained by choosing X versus Y. So uh,
0: what is uh, so from whether in the picky bar life or the professional athlete life, like what's been the biggest failure you've had to overcome?
1: Um, uh, Picky bars, man, we've had some big ones uh, that we are, we have shockingly survived. We were, uh, I can think of two actually real quick, just quick stories, but We got picked up by, we had an incoming email from a buyer at Trader Joe's late 2015. It was literally, we got it three days after I won my first Ironman. So I wasn't even in the country. Mm -hmm. And um, I was riding a high and it was nuts. But anyway, this woman wanted to bring us into Trader Joe's. We were very excited. We went through all the back and forth right as we were kind of got in there and just started to launch. They had a new buyer come in and replace the woman that that brought us on. And that woman, um, long story short, ended up dropping us within like 10 weeks of of launching. And we had- So
0: now you have access inventory?
1: Tons, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of extra inventory that we're just sitting on. And what's the shelf life? A year. Okay. So th- there was no way at that point no. we were going to we were going to sell through it. Um, so that was a huge and, you know, in that stage, we kind of I thought I was going from like, you know, a million and a half dollar business to like an eight million dollar business. And I had to a certain I even though I had been cautious and I knew that the new buyer was going to be risky, I'd still scaled up my staff. You know our supply chain, everything Mm -hmm. to to help accommodate to that for a certain to a certain extent, and then we just retracted immediately to a two million dollar business again, and um and so that was really hard, and we paid for that for years in hindsight. Mm -hmm. You know, I had I was overstaffed for a long time. I thought we were kind of going to be okay, so that was a big one. Um, What did you uh, yeah? What did you learn from that? Uh, you know, I think. Caution in in uh, in evaluating big customers, right. you know, and and taking on a big customer. I the still elephants. would have done, yeah, I I still would have done it a hundred percent. It ended up being a net positive for us. We got a whole bunch of of exposure. Mm-hmm. I would have been. Um, the other thing I learned is I would have been way more proactive about managing that relationship with Trader Joe's myself. Mm-hmm. I think in hindsight, I was too. Uh, hey, my sales marketing person has this you know they're managing the relationship that was way too important of a business uh, of a part of the business for me not to be heavily involved in Um, and I would have priced us a little bit more competitively Mm -hmm. didn't really know what what we were doing we'd been at REI at three bucks for forever Mm -hmm. or for at least a few years had been seemingly successful there and I really pushed, I wanted us to be 249 at Trader Joe's. I think they eventually put us at 239, but we were like up, we were next to RX bar at like a buck 99. It was just like, it was really obvious, like a big difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, so that was tough. But yeah.
0: I, uh, you know, so that's like this big failure, but the company's still standing. Um, Is it, How is it looking back at that? Just looking back and all the late nights that you probably had, Mm -hmm. uh, analyzing what's going on, the doomsday scenarios that probably were going through your head, correct me if I'm wrong, but if that was happening to me, and I'm I'm working on this um, daily, like don't let your mind go into this tailwind of like losing a client. Well, that means we're going to lose these other ones. And then all of a sudden we're going to go out of business and I'm going to be selling the sign off the building. Yeah. Right. Like it's where your mind can go. did you,
1: did you notice yourself going there? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of sleepless nights, um, you know, I think. But, but now you look at, but now you look at it, like you guys are
0: doing great. And I was back in 2015 and you were yeah. in 2019. Yeah. And the company's still around, you're still yeah. breathing, your yeah. family's still healthy, Yeah. right? No, for sure. And you gave a bunch of really good lessons that you learned from it, like managing yep. huge client relationships yourself when they're like that important. Yeah. Um, learning about like the what happens when you end, end up overstaffing and yep. what kind of uh, hit that has on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And then the positives that you were able to pull from it, like the exposure that you got from it. Yep. And I'm sure that it ended up leading to other contacts. Definitely. From, um, people that just saw you in, in uh, yep. Trader Joe's for what ten weeks. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of different people that could end up seeing it that of being contact on social media or whatever yeah. that could have led to different things
1: absolutely like I said overall it was a it was a net you know it was a net positive I think um, I think it was just it was a tough storm to weather um, you know financially obviously and then also expectation wise really kind of thinking that hey we had we had hit this we'd kind of skipped two or three steps mm-hmm. and now we're up at this thing where uh, where it's really taking off I think you know to answer your question you um, athletics brings you being a competitive athlete for my entire life makes those things easier Mm -hmm. because i've had lots of really big failures or or times when i didn't live up to or uh, compete or perform up to my expectation and i put a shit ton of work and and you know blood sweat and tears into it and and ultimately i've seen how through my career, you know, you can bounce back from those things and that, mm-hmm. that helps in business a lot.
0: And, and just things that you learn from it, so why didn't I win this race? Like, yeah. Well, if I would've trained this way, if I yeah. would've uh, adjusted my sleep schedule, if I would've had more fuel, um, if, this, 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 and that, and then you learn from that and you're able to apply it going forward. You know, you end up getting so much stuff from books, like you go into business school mm-hmm. um, and you end up learning all these different things, but it's not until you actually start doing it that you really, and, and from your failures that you really start taking things home. And whether that's in uh, business or just in life, like, for example, I kind of knew before I got into mountaineering, like 11 years ago, that you shouldn't be wearing cotton, mm-hmm. but then i did wear cotton right. and hiked up the South Sisters, my first like mountain right, or whatever. Right. just was a hike. Yeah. But still, I did it covered in jeans. We started late. Yeah. Started at three o'clock. We didn't have any picky bars or right. any really any food. Yeah. Uh now lack of water. And uh damn near almost died. Right. Like hypothermia. <laughs> yeah. Didn't look at the time. Yeah. Uh watched the sunset. I was actually content looking at the sunset yeah. over the sisters, being like, no, I could die here. It's all right. Yeah. And my friend's just like, we're going down the mountain. You're yeah. losing your mind. Yeah. So exactly. now, now whenever I'm out uh, mountaineering or backpacking or mountain biking, there's no cotton on me except for a bandana. That yeah, absorbs exactly. Sweat. Yeah. So that's what I learned. I've heard about it yeah. in books and from people kind of talking about it, but it wasn't from actually doing it. When yeah. That's now. That's a staple. I will not do that Absolutely. Again. So kind of fascinating yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: there, there's... there's uh... You know there's no swap out for just experience you know that's definitely the most valuable thing and i i I take that from you know as a guy that got an mba and um you know doing is so much not that my mba was not valuable because it was but doing has been much more valuable than than the mba itself
0: i yeah um i was a major in geology and i minored in business And the business part was just so ridiculous. The classes, Mm -hmm. like, this is what a manufacturer does. This is what a transportation Mm -hmm. company does. I'm like, okay. Right. (laughs) Okay. Like, it just didn't apply at all. And and the geology thing, I actually love that. Even though I'm not applying it to this marketing company, it's just Mm -hmm. great to, like, have an understanding of why things are beautiful. And um, when I climb and do stuff, I'm like, that's why. That's beautiful instead of that's beautiful. So I don't regret it at all. What is... um, your favorite let's start with what is actually your least favorite thing about living in bend oh my
1: least favorite
0: yeah (sighs) everyone talks about how awesome it is here but um
1: you know i hate to say this because it makes me just sound like the crotchety old guy that's been here for forever it's growing too much it's it's growing (laughs) it's it and it but it's not that i don't appreciate the growth because i do Mm -hmm. but um and People ask me all the time, well, what do you think? You know, it's growing, you know, and there are a lot of crotchety old guys that have been here for a long time that really, really hate it. Now, I like the growth, probably uh, 80, 90 percent of mm-hmm. it. And then there are parts of it that that started and bug me, you know, just just uh, mostly just the. Uh, um. The number of people out in the places where you know where i used to feel a little bit more alone
0: yeah the solitude seems to be like yeah a bit gone at places like green lakes and the yeah. hidden lake at broken top which isn't very hidden anymore even Instagram just fills trails you know mm-hmm. or
1: like the, the old mill loop around town i mean i used to do all my hard workouts out through you know in and around the old mill and don't, don't even think about trying to run fast, you know, through the old mill during no. the summer now. I mean, it's just lined with people, mm-hmm. you know, walking their dogs and having their kids, which is great. Yeah. You know, it's all great. So it's really like, it, that's what I say. It's like kind of, si- it, they're silly things to complain about for mm-hmm. for the for the for what the growth has brought, Ben. It's a silly thing to complain about. Oh, man, I had to ride around. Four people when I was going up Ben's trail, like I mean, come on, give me a break. You still have Ben's trail out there. Yeah, that you know? you're a and machine,
0: Jesse. Well, <laughs> you're probably riding a road bike up Ben's trail. Which, but, by the way, Ben's trail is a mountain bike route. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. <laughs> Jesse's no, probably on so a road bike going up it. It's not. It's a silly thing to complain about. So you know, I don't. For for the most part, I I'm appreciative of the growth of Ben. It's allowed <clears throat> us to be here, have more opportunity here, have picky bars here. It's good.
0: Um, what's <clears throat> your least favorite thing about owning a business in bend
1: um the first thing that popped into my mind was the uh and it's another thing actually that bother that that bothers me about bend is just the income pressure that we have from the bay area and to a certain extent from portland and seattle Mm -hmm. um because bend is such a beautiful place that people want to move to they want to retire to and because of its proximity to the bay and seattle we just get a lot of very wealthy people that move up here and it drives the prices of living way up mm-hmm. and that's it's really hard for my team a members business owner. yeah yeah it's hard for my team members yeah like, i mean i can't afford to pay you know i'm not going to pay a salary that's anywhere competitive to any of those places and you got I'm a lot of the same boat a, a lot remote remote people. of entrepreneurs are yeah, right. So it's hard to, um, you know, I can pay you X, but on X, man, you're not going to be able to live on the west side of Bend. No, you know, like, and and that's that's a tough. Uh, that's probably the hardest thing.
0: Um, <clears throat> okay, so yeah. enough on the negative stuff on it. yes yeah. everybody talks about the positive, and it's like there is yeah. there is bad oh, things yeah. bad. but absolutely. Um, your favorite thing about running a business in Bend?
1: Um, just that I get to I get to authentically, legitimately uh walk the walk Mm -hmm. and and with that i mean that we have we're all about like work-life balance and enjoying the great outdoors and all that type of stuff and we get to do that here i mean that's i mean i was out we were just talking about it on monday or tuesday i went for a you know six or eight mile run with my uh sales director from our office door Mm -hmm. on the like beautiful snow-packed trail along you know the river and it was like you know 50 minute run that was that would be in a magazine Mm -hmm. somewhere and it was from our doorstep in the middle of the day at work that that that's really incredible that's lucky yeah
0: um i i'll uh, run into my team members up on bachelor during like our powder days it's like more than four inches and we're out there like skiing for the morning and then we'll just work later into the night exactly and just being able to be like uh in here with big smiles on our faces because we were able to do that instead of being in here hating life because that is happening yeah um it's brought a lot of happiness to my life and i know to theirs um from our location here too I sometimes get on my mountain bike in the summer and yeah. go straight from here and yeah. hit up Phil's trail, Same. and I'll do like uh, an hour or two, and then yeah. come back in, come back and start in. working. Absolutely, be a little sweaty, but whatever. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, I mean that's like standard bend, you know, material. I don't think anybody cares, you know. If you're mm-hmm. if you smell from your mountain bike ride, people are more like, "Hey, that's cool. Where'd you go?" <laughs> yeah, you <know>? exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so I know um, a bunch of your employees, and they all seem to love you a lot
1: oh wow yeah none okay. of them
0: say anything bad and i never even pry at that but right. uh, it's always good things
1: why do you think that is uh they i uh, <laughs> i don't know i was gonna say they probably don't know me very well um they uh well, you know do you, i don't know do i don't know that your... that's true but I, I mean i i think i think we have generated a um a positive work environment for sure mm-hmm. I, I try I do consciously try to be a positive leader in the company um, and uh, you know, simultaneously lead by example, work really hard, but also give people, um, try to understand and give people the appropriate amount of independence and the appropriate amount of guidance. I think there's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, everybody wants to be really independent and um you know make their own decisions and think for themselves and and yada 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 and to a certain extent because i was working uh, because i was racing and training so much for a number of years of the company almost gave like too much leeway Mm -hmm. and what i found was that my employees uh actually struggled with that they wanted more direction Mm uh you know they were unsure about whether they were making the right decision or not and they you know felt like oh man you know not necessarily that there was going to be like negative consequences if they made the wrong decision but like th- they would they would like more input from me in helping them make that decision so how do, feel how do you balance,
0: about it? how do you balance that fine line between direction and micromanagement
1: it depends on the person you know to a certain extent that that's and um so and it depends on the decision you know um i think what i've what i've tried to do is uh like i like i alluded to earlier the most important thing that i can do in my business as the owner and the ceo is to provide the appropriate amount of guidance and feedback to my employees Mm -hmm. and so setting up making sure the most important times in my business for me are the meetings that I have. And we have a leadership meeting. We have a marketing meeting. We have a sales meeting. We have an ops and and finance meeting. We have an all staff meeting. So there's there's whatever that is, four or five meetings a Mm -hmm. week that and those happen every week. We've got an agenda where, you know, people know what they're supposed to bring to me. I know what I'm supposed to bring to the meeting. And I think that that regular cadence takes a lot of both helps me understand what type of feedback they need and what type of feedback they don't. Um, how,
0: how do you keep meetings interesting?
1: Uh, we or do you? I, I mean, <laughs> we try. You know, interesting it might be a stretch. I mean, I think we we try to start off every meeting with a one cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everybody goes around says one cool. Yeah, thing. Yeah, one or... cool thing. What happened over the last week? Mm-hmm. It it's you know probably mostly professional you Mm -hmm. know but might be personal Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of a way to like break the ice and and uh and also a way for me to somewhat strategically think about what type of actions or results do i want to highlight to Mm -hmm. make sure that people notice that or are aware that i'm noticing them and that they matter to me and um so that, that's one thing that we do. And then we try to keep it casual. But then we also, uh, I've been really working on having my team, like I said, have kind of an, an agenda and a, just a rolling, this is how the meeting is structured. Mm-hmm. And so we make sure that they don't go too long. I think that's the, the main thing that kills meetings is just when people feel like they're in there for forever and they don't know when the end is going to be. I find that and, that happens yeah. a lot in rabbit holes. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah.
0: How do you pull, do you, uh, they, they happen in all meetings. Yeah. But it's up to us yeah. to pull it out. Yeah. How do you go about let's doing that? Let's
1: sideline this. Let's put it up. Yeah. Let's, let's set up another meeting to talk so about. The, it sounds I like mean, the, structure that, but, yeah.
0: help, the structure probably helps eliminate a lot of rabbit holes to begin with, a lot of those tangents. Yeah. Um, but I'll notice that like we have structure, too, to our meeting. And, yeah. Um, And all of a sudden, we were talking about marketing, and one thing led to another. And now we're into hiring a new person for account management that doesn't have to deal with marketing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I just sit back, I'm like, wait, how did we get
1: here? Yeah. Yeah, I think it happens all the time. I mean, it's pretty standard group think, you know, group discussion. Um, Yeah, I mean, you just have to be cognizant of it, you Mm -hmm. know, and and I think that's what I, I try to do. What is the point of this meeting? if we have something that's that's diverging from it significantly you know we've got to, i i really try to stick to that Time frame of whatever it is, thirty to sixty minutes, that we've set up for that specific meeting. And if if it looks like something's bringing us, it's going to take us long, then we need to table it and, and discuss it. Set up a different time to discuss it.
0: So are they weekly meetings where at the end of it, everybody has like action items yeah. that they're responsible for, that's for I- the week.
1: That that's ideally how it works. So what what we what I try to do our planning processes. We do we basically do quarterly planning, mm-hmm. and to a certain extent, we try to plan. The quarter specifically, and then the next three quarters out more broadly. Mm-hmm. And so the quarter, so the, the next kind of rolling year will have major objectives uh, for the next three quarters, but then the quarter itself will have really specific goals, rocks, they're called, if, you, if, you re, if you've if read Traction. I have, yeah. yeah and Get so, a Grip is right behind you, actually. Yeah, oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, so there you go, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's it's all based, and there, there are lots of different kind of business. Uh, so you guys have level 10 like
0: meetings, a, I take it, then? What's that? You guys have level 10 meetings, then, I take it? Uh,
1: maybe, I don't know, I, okay. I don't, yeah. That's the I,
0: Traction yeah. meeting, so you have like IDS, Yeah. Uh, identify, discuss, solve. It's a, really good, it's a really good framework to keep meetings it on is. track, and it also helps with, uh and i that's that's an interesting question so when it comes to eos the entrepreneurial operating system yeah. are you full in balls deep on it no yeah it's no. kind of hard i i went full in yeah. and now we we've, we just have a few things that have kind of stuck around it was hard to keep it going
1: i think we have the the, the i try to keep the the main principles the simple principles uh you know keep those going keep those regular mm-hmm. for me it's like making sure everybody has really has clear quarterly objectives or goals mm-hmm. and then that at every weekly meeting we have we are re-referencing those quarterly objective goals so every week we're like okay sales what we're, what are we working on this quarter and, and then, those are okay, called rocks yeah those yeah. are called rocks and then we go into okay well Okay, these are the things that we're working on this week, and the reason we're working on them is because of what we set up here. And um, I think, you know, it's certainly anything but perfect, but I think it's it's we're getting we're getting closer, we're getting better.
0: What do you think is um, so mentioning traction, get a grip, both EOS, Dino Wickman. Um, as far as business goes, what do you think has been the most impactful book?
1: Um. It's been a really long time, but uh, I wrote, or I read the, and I actually haven't read any of these books. I listened to all of them That's on audiobooks. yeah, you, when You I, consume them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I'm out riding my bike or whatever. But um, uh, The E-Myth. I haven't heard of that one. Hey, You haven't? Mm. Uh, it's... It, it was a basic, it's very similar to, to all these other things, which is you know, which is basically like you start as an entrepreneur, you do it all yourself. Okay. And you need to- Yeah, you're the janitor, yeah. you're
0: the owner, you're the salesman. You're, you need
1: to figure out- You're where,
0: packaging picky bars and dime bags and putting stickers on it. Exactly. You're the packager.
1: What things can you eventually start to you know uh, offload, delegate, whatever, and, mm-hmm. and what does it take to successfully do that? And um, that's where I really first started thinking about the business as kind of this growing thing that was me working through all these different uh, areas of the business and then passing them off to to people. And um, is that easy for you? Uh yeah, probably. Um, yeah, for the most part, pro- probably to a certain extent, too easy. I think. So- I think sometimes. Well, that's that's a big key to growth, though. Yeah, it is. But um, if you're the one
0: that's doing everything, we can't. Yeah. Sorry, Jesse, but unless you start cloning yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's no, actually, I think I, I see it as a big strength of yours. It
1: is, but it can be it can be a weakness to a certain extent. Like I said, I think that. If anything, Picky Bars has suffered from a lack of oversight mm-hmm. um, in some of the decisions that, we, that we've that we made or that employees have made or that we've made collectively as a group by, um, you know, just putting a lot of really inexperienced people in positions where they were making decisions over their head. And, you know, and those decisions cost us, mm-hmm. you know. Having said that, that's kind of what we could afford to do at the at the time, and and that's the nature of me doing it part time as I'm competing. But, but we we've had problems with that too. So,
0: um, if you weren't yeah. able though to um, allow those people to do that, uh, especially with you competing, then there wouldn't be a company. In yeah, no, opinion.
1: totally. That's that's the thing. You kind of you have to roll with it, and you know ultimately growth. Uh, it comes at a cost, both from the you know both the company's growth and the and the professional growth of people making those decisions. You know mm-hmm. they they've got to learn on their own too. And if I can't afford to pay six figure salaries to people that have been there for fifteen twenty years, which I can't, um, then I'm gonna get you know five figure salaries making mistakes mm-hmm. and learning on the job, and that's and that's kind of part of it. So it is. Yeah.
0: Um, what's your opinion on like
1: mentorship? Um, it's great. Do you have any? (laughs) Do I personally have Mm -hmm. mentors? Tons. I rely on, um, I'm, I'm pro I'm hopefully not so much that like squeaky wheel Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's always kind of reaching out to the people that I admire, um, that I respect. But yeah, I mean, I have, I have probably five or six who are some of them? B- b- great business men, people that I would consider mentors. Uh, Scott Allen in town. Nice. Um, uh, I'm working with the Bend Outdoor Works uh, group right now, so Eric Mead and Will Blunt is part of that too. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Kevin Rutherford at Noon is uh, the CEO of Noon is is one of my main one of my main guys. And uh,
0: so Scott Kenton. Allen. Um, he uh, started hydroflask yeah and well um, he,
1: he was uh he, he didn't start he, it. Didn't he, didn't yeah, start it. he okay. was he was brought in by the in by the investor owner group oh yeah a few oh, years okay. into it yeah I, f- I forget the Helen of Troy uh, yeah no, no well so he was he was brought in by the investor group which was I think um, led by Jim Collins and um, uh, I think they were a few years in to the business, I can't remember exactly how much, maybe maybe a couple, mm-hmm. few million dollars in revenue, but he 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 is the person that was at the helm when it really you know, grew to what it is now and then has since been acquired by Helena Troy. Okay, cool, so
0: yeah. um, my mistake there, but he's been instrumental basically yeah. in Hydroflask, which is arguably one of Ben's biggest companies, yeah. or yeah. maybe it is the biggest. It but might be the a, biggest. Yeah, it's definitely up there. So um, excellent mentor to have. How about that? That relationship start.
1: Um, we so when I first moved to town, there's a there's a uh, organization called Opportunity Knox, which is basically a, yeah, am in that yeah, too. Pe- people that mm-hmm. are in. Are you still in it? Ideal no, not mm-hmm. ideally similar companies and similar uh, uh, jobs within those companies, right. right? And so I had heard that there was this group that were all CEOs and owners that included Scott Allen, um, Will Blunt, mm-hmm. who is the president of Roughwear, Eric Mead, who had owned Entreprise Climbing uh, Systems, uh, Dave Chun, who is the owner of Kialoa, or co-owner with his wife, and um, and a few other people that I respected. And so there was this group, and I knew, that, I knew the group. I knew that the group existed, when i moved to town i said i wanted to be an opportunity knox and then they were like well the group's full i was like you can be in this group or this group and i basically just waited and i waited for an opening yeah nine mm-hmm. or ten months and mm-hmm. then eventually an opening came up and i jumped in that group and got to know those guys and that was basically it and um you know scott's a he's known he, he's a really uh, generous person with his time and and and, ex- and expertise so it's a lot of it has to do with just him as a person uh, being available. How to valuable me. do
0: you think that's been? Like oh, huge! Knox. I think
1: huge. Um, I think huge. You know, opportunity. Oh, like I'm not in it anymore, but for that first few years, it was it was really valuable to have. S- same with me. I, I yeah. uh,
0: quadrupled. I would say. Yeah. Well, during the first few years I was with Opportunity Knox. And yeah. I would be lying if I didn't give the majority of credit to that group. Yeah.
1: I think it can be really, uh, when you're, you know, when you're trying to run a company or guide a company, it's, it's, it can be kind of lonely to mm-hmm. a certain extent. And so well, it's just, lonely you, at the top. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so just having some people that you can confide in or, you know, they can help you with the specific questions you have as an, as an owner or CEO is really valuable. Speaking
0: of that, how it's lonely at the top, um, How close are you, outside of work, with your team members?
1: Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think we're all uh, friends friendly. It's a small enough group, you know, that, um, but, uh, you know. I I, I just
0: asked, I ran into a mistake when I got this company going. Where I was really good friends and going out with some yeah. of my employees, and that burned me. Down. Yeah, yeah. I learned the hard way that yeah, you, you can be friendly with them. Yeah, but when it came to like getting really close, it created all sorts of drama.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think you do have to be cognizant of that. I'm more cognizant of it now than I was uh, five years ago. It kind of sucks. Yeah, but it's yeah true. No, it totally it totally yeah. is. It totally is. You know, I think we're. Uh, you know, it just depends on. Who it is, you know. I've had people. I have people now there that have been there for four or five years. Who mm-hmm. are just, you know, you work with somebody for four or five years. You're you're gonna be hopefully you're gonna be friends with them, right? You know, if not, it's probably not that much fun to work with them. But um, yeah. I mean, I I have I am cognizant of that. Uh, you know, of just walking that line of of being friendly. We we there are things that we do socially, but I'm not. I you know I don't spend a ton of time outside of. Maybe one or two people who who we just overlap with uh, as friends, but also just share common, you know, mountain biking or whatever stuff like that that we're doing together. And um, but yeah, yeah, I think you have to think about it. There's a line to walk there for sure. So.
0: Advice to your younger self, a lot of people just say like, hey, what's some advice to your younger self? I like to have people really think about this because it's kind of a fascinating question. How old are you now, Jesse? 38. Okay, so you're 38. So of all the knowledge you have right now, at 38, what would you do if you had your brain in an 18-year-old Jesse?
1: Yeah. Um, I think when I was younger, I would... It, it goes back to something we talked about already, but I think when I was younger, I would be... I would get really anxious about making the right decision to move forward in terms of whatever i was trying to do whether i was trying you know what type of racing should i do or what type of uh job should i try to get um how should i train how should i whatever and because i was an analytical person i wanted to have that algorithm or that formula that told me this is the right answer when i've optimized all the variables Mm -hmm. And when I look back at myself, I think I could have saved myself a lot of time, a lot of mental anguish um, and a lot of energy by just being like, hey man, relax, you know, like life is long. You're gonna make a ton of mistakes. Life is long. Yeah, Normally I hear it the other way around. Yeah,
0: I like that. Though. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, anyway,
0: you do have plenty of time to make mistakes. He, to come you back have lots from of
1: time it. to make mistakes, and and you're gonna there're gonna be lots of decisions that you make that are wrong, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> weird, I didn't think of it that it would make me pivot this way, but I look at my son right now who's five, and I see that time. I see you know I, there are parts of me every parent sees parts of themselves and their kids there there are some ways that he's like me there's some ways that he's totally different um but i do see he right now is kind of going through this um really like perfectionist phase with certain things and um for example he just made all these valentine's day things for valentine's Mm -hmm. day yesterday and he was really concerned about certain parts of the valentines if they weren't right and kind of like needing to throw it away and like do another one Uh and i just and i'm like man that i was i was like that in certain ways too and Mm -hmm. if it wasn't like the right way then it was like totally wrong Mm -hmm. and i needed to start over or i was really worried about making the right decision and so hopefully i try to impart you know on him we had a whole long talk about how You know, things don't have to be perfect. You just try your hardest and yada, yada, yada. But I I don't know. That's what I'd say to myself.
0: So um, in a way, just like uh, make decisions, live life. Don't get so worried about the details. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't get so worried about um, being right, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking that it really has to be perfect, I guess, or, you know, because there's... You're going to have a lot of opportunity to change. Uh, You know, I guess an easy way to like, to visualize this is that when I was 18, let's say, and going, uh, starting college, I had this trajectory that I thought I was going to be on for my life. And I had visions of what, how, where I was going to be working and things I was going to be doing. There is no way in hell I ever would have thought I would be a professional triathlete. I didn't even know what triathlon was. I would have really? uh, own an energy bar company, you know?
0: Yeah, become you became professional like you were saying, 29, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so um, you know, the amount of time that I spent thinking about, oh, how how is what I'm doing right now in my first quarter at Stanford, you know, setting me up for what I'm gonna do. I mean, you have no idea. No. You know, and so it's it's just like I business. thought I was gonna be a volcanologist. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. <laughs> I you, still could be. Who knows? Yeah, you still could be. Yeah. It's just like business though. You get so you overthink these short-term decisions in terms of the impact that they're going to have, mm-hmm. and you just you know get the information you can, make the decision, and then just move on because there's going to be so many other things that impact that you just you can't even anticipate.
0: And does that lead towards uh, bliss, happiness? Do you think?
1: I think so because I think you're a little bit less pensive, um, you know, less worked up mm-hmm. in. Uh, in your decision-making process and probably just more relaxed. You know, it's a very typical like Zen, you know, just enjoying the process, Mm -hmm. you know, being in the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think my brain chemistry is, tends not to be in the moment. It tends to be four to eight steps ahead and thinking about how am I optimizing that eighth step with the step that I'm taking right now. And that has, there's value to that, but there's a lot of distraction to that as well. Do you meditate? Uh, I do not as much as I should, mm-hmm. um, but when I'm feeling particularly anxious, I do before before I'm before I race. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, uh, just at work, if I'm feeling like I'm spinning wheels in front of my you know inbox or something, I'm just not doing anything. Then I just head out. Um, usually, just for a walk is mm-hmm. more is enough. Just to with my phone left at the you know, left in the office, uh, that usually helps. So how does it help? Uh, you know, I think getting your mind away from the, from the stimulus Mm -hmm. can help then it refocus on things that the things that matter. And, uh, that's, that's what I constantly try to remind myself of, because as a business owner with the, so many things we have going on, and there's so many ways that you can receive stimulus from your employees talking to emails to, you know, whatever, people just walking in the door. Uh, it's, it's important for me to always just take a step back and be like, well, okay, what am I, what am I trying, what's important for me to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like every day I just like, I don't even turn on my computer. I sit down in front of my desk and I just write down like the three things I wanna do today. Nice. And I start working on those prior mm-hmm. to even looking at my inbox or looking at, or talking to an employee or whatever. I do that you know? too. I'll, yeah. I'll
0: have a list of three things yeah. or two. Yeah, exactly. And I got rid of my Evernote list because yeah. it just gets too it's big. It's too long. Yeah, yeah, I had a Google Keep list, same yeah. thing, just a competitor. Yeah. Freaking went on forever. Yeah. Um. I then did the same thing with Trello. I'm like, oh, this yeah. will be different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I just have, I just jot down a little sticky note and yeah. I work on those things. And I know they're the most important things. Yeah. And it's very gratifying to cross them off. And, and that's, that's if those are the most important things for the day, then that's
1: what you've you nailed should work it. Yeah. yeah, you've nailed it. And it, and that's I, I, I believe I really believe that your mind like, if you just sit there and you close your eyes and you think, what am I supposed to work on? Your mind will remember. The most important stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't need like a list to look back on that. All that ends up doing is you just get reminded of the twenty-five other things that you didn't get to, and then it jumbles up. It messes up what you actually should be focusing. And on. And then
0: sometimes you just end up looking at that list on Evernote, yeah. like that's twenty-five things going. It's overwhelming. Shit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. What the exactly. fuck do I? I mean, sorry to swarm about, but I'll, yeah.
0: I'll look at that and I'll just be like, yeah. I, I, where do I even start? I don't even know where to start. And then a lot, and then sometimes I'll go through and audit those things back before I was doing this short list. And I'll be like, a lot of this stuff is not relevant anymore. Yeah, totally. I, I, like completely not relevant yeah. either. They took care of it yeah. or I subconsciously did yeah. at another date.
1: Or, yeah. Or you just don't care about it anymore. Or I whatever. just don't care yeah, about yeah, it exactly. anymore. Yeah. yeah it happens a lot.
0: It's pretty fascinating. Um, what would you say to people that say, I will be happy when i start my own company that that's the key the key is for me having my own company and that will bring me happiness
1: um i don't know i mean i think if you if you believe that then you know try it out i mean the, it it's a lot easier to I, I, I we we talked a little bit about this but people get caught up in the complexity of like we said you know, oh man, how am I gonna do packaging this and that? I think, what's the shortest, least costly, most efficient way to proving the next question of your business? And that's what I would start doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Another one of, somebody that wouldn't really call a mentor because we don't, um, you know, we don't interact that often but somebody that I really respect and who's a friend of mine uh, is this, guy named Sami Inkinen, <clears throat> And Sami is the co-founder of Trulia, which is a big, you know, Zillow um, mm-hmm. competitor. And uh, he was also, like, he won the Age Group Ironman World Championships, like, while he was leading Trulia to hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. I mean, it's just incredible, just incredible person. Mm-hmm. And a really down-to-earth guy, nice guy. And he told me once. He gave me this analogy that was like, basically, the running. A, and I'm probably gonna butcher it, so sorry, Sami. <laughs> there's nothing he wouldn't he wouldn't listen to this thing anyway. But navigating through a business is kind of like navigating through a maze. And you can try, you can try to have some way where you can see like all the turns down the road. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, there's so the, it's so complex that all that the the only way to really optimize speed through it is basically like how they've done with these little robots that basically like they just run into a wall then they check the next wall then they check the next wall and then they go that then they go to the open one okay and then they just keep going and they mm-hmm. navigate through the entire way and that's how and that's how they do it and so it's basically like the your success is dependent more on your rate of failure than like anything else whoever can fail the quickest and then learn from that mistake those are the people that make su- that are that are most successful in business because it's so hard to anticipate all the variables that you will have to navigate
0: i think that goes back yeah. to what we've hit on like four times yeah. now it's decision making yeah. right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's like, so make them fast and adjust. Yeah, exactly. Um, the robot getting through the maze yeah. is just like, not that way. Okay, now that way, no, now that yeah. way, no. Oh, yeah. this is the way. Exactly. And it's just like, okay, if that didn't work. Then just adjust quickly. Yeah. And don't freak out about yeah. it because you can end up making so many iterations yeah. of different packaging. Yeah. And you can make different types of food and stuff like that. But going into... Um, Uh, finishing up i was just curious on the granola that you're launching yeah so how long has that been out
1: this has been online for i think about four weeks today so yeah this is our uh, this is our performance granola this was created with us and with a woman in town who is a very successful uh, chef and cookbook author her name is lise Mm Kopecki. so she co-founded this um uh, cookbook, Product. yeah, yeah. This or a cookbook called mm-hmm. "Run Fast, Eat Slow" with Shalane Flanagan, who's oh. one of the best, yeah, Ameri- if bit. not the best American distance runner ever. Mm-hmm. And um, Elise uh helped. Elise is famous for her granolas. She helped create this granola specifically for us, specifically for me because I'm a peanut butter and jelly addict. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like all of our products very nutritionally balanced, you know, healthy, low in in added sugar, all re- real food um base ingredients and uh and tastes really really good we launched it really successful um great feedback so far so i'm i'm really happy about it for me this for me that whole thing is just like you know we i want to be a brand Mm -hmm. and and i want to have a kind of a place in your pantry in on different shelves and and um and people to feel confident and enjoy You know, consuming our products, both from a taste standpoint, but also from a function standpoint, are they, do you feel good? Is it helping you, helping fuel your exercise and stuff like that? So,
0: Do you have um, anything in the works cooking up that you're excited about? Yeah, we've
1: got, um, we've got another granola um, flavor that um, I'll just say will be a, a ginger molasses flavor. It's actually based on one of Elise's most popular flavors, but we've got a funny flavor name that'll be coming out that I don't want to say yet because uh, I like to save that for when we get the packaging out there publicly. <clears throat> but um, if people are interested, we the, the backbone of our business and the most important part of the business to me personally is our subscription service mm-hmm. called the Picky Club. It's super unique. P- you can subscribe to any a uh, specific skew in any volume that you want every one, two or three months. And the more that you subscribe to the bigger discounts you get, and then you can change it month to month. And, I love that kind of stuff because all, yeah.
0: then I don't have to go shopping.
1: Yeah, it's great. And it, we, it ships for free. And I'm all it's about like, simple and if yeah. I don't
0: have to go to the store. I'm happy.
1: It's a great, it's a great service. And like I said, I, the most unique aspect of our business actually, and, um, and valuable aspect. And, uh, but we, we give perks to those people that are in that subscription service. I kind of call them because we don't have investors yet. They're basically like our investors. They're, mm-hmm. our, they're our repeat customers. They're the people that are really like, you know, the, the, the most important customers. Mm-hmm. And um, we will in March or April have, um, we'll send out a sample of that granola to those people kind of you know before it even is uh, available to the public. We like to send stuff out and get feedback from them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Should we change anything? And then the next month it will be available online. So,
0: interesting. Yeah. Are you? Um, are you, so? You guys have granola coming. Do you have anything in your head? Like a few years down the line, like man, it'd
1: be cool if we
0: launched a gummy or a drink or.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, we uh, drink. I mean, uh, you know, we there. There are a lot of categories we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm more. We're more in the real food space. Mm-hmm. So I think. Um, for us, you know, for me personally, you know, I like I like all kinds of snacks like uh, trail mixes and nut butters and, mm-hmm. um, you know, different p- complementary food items that uh, athletic or active people eat on on a regular basis, you know. So we'll be um, uh, other forms of bars, you know, we've this one is really built around like fueling you in and around exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, we might have one that's more of kind of a. A general, you know, snack-based bar. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll take a look.
0: Well, I'm excited
1: because I'm yeah. a big, I'm a big fan
0: of you guys. I always um, use them when I'm uh, mountain biking yeah, uh, and skiing. Oh yeah, they're my go-to. I always feel like um, that. I, I don't know why compared to a Cliff Bar, but um, I've eaten a lot of those. But uh, when I eat a Picky Bar, I just get probably 10, percent maybe even 20 percent more energy cool. of just an explosion going, especially when I'm going uphill. Awesome. I'm starting to die. It's yeah. Awesome. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm excited for all the other products you have coming cool. out. And Jesse, it was a yeah. pleasure having you Thanks on, so much. man. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for watching Torquem Talk. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please hit subscribe and or follow to be notified when we launch our next episode. Have a good one.